the, the, the people in that bank were too rich to fail. They said they, there were too many rich people that had money in there that had paid for influence that started making phone calls and said, you got to fix this. And so they, oh, we'll fix it. We'll this, we'll that. We're securing the banking system. And well, the banking, that, that, that alone, like that problem alone isn't going to, in my opinion, fix it because all you're really doing is giving everybody a huge safety net to continue to act ba- badly. Yeah. Hey, this is Matt Cox, and I am here with Brandon Keys. Brandon has a a finance YouTube finance channel, and we're going to be talking about Silicon Valley uh, Bank. And yeah, check out the video. What is? Oh man, I watched a senator today. I wish I could remember his name. He was talking about Silicon 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 Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank uh, <laughs> yeah. today. He was uh, he was grilling people. Uh, oh yeah today he was uh but it was it was it was good but so what what happened because i've watched i'm an expert i watched like four or five videos (laughs) yeah exactly well i mean so silicon valley bank let's start off there right so i mean it's obviously is based in silicon valley but it has a few branches globally and another one in boston and what it's really known for is funding startups and so what it does essentially you can go to Silicon Valley Bank, SVB, get a business loan or, you know, these startups kind of put their money in this bank, use it to pay their employees, all that kind of stuff. Um, So it was really well known for getting involved in the tech sector, which has been getting crushed lately because of, you know, uh, the recession, the, the Federal Reserve raising interest rates. And so what they did, they put their money in you know, how a bank basically operates, they have, you know, they lend out money to, to people, other creditors and whatnot. And then they also potentially could have like a bond portfolio, which is a quote unquote safe investment. Right. But what happens in a bond portfolio is like when you put it in and the interest rates are low, like they were two years ago, um, that, that bond, you get a short return and it's like, you know, a five, 10 year, 20 year, 30 year bond. It uh, gives you like two to three percent or something like that. So a very short, sm- uh, small return with a long duration, and those are not very liquid assets, right? It's not like you're owning equity in a company that's like publicly traded or anything like that, and you can kind of buy and sell into it. Um, and so what Silicon Valley Bank did is essentially they would say, you know, hey, we'll help fund your company for some equity at X startup. It's risky. You know, they're not making money right now, but 10 years down the road, maybe they'll make a lot of money and this equity that we have in here is going to be worth a lot of money and we could potentially cash out then. And then, you know, on the safe side, we're going to buy all these bonds. And so Jerome Powell and the Federal Reserve has been raising interest rates at basically at a historic pace. Right. So, I mean, we just had another FOMC meeting on uh, Wednesday and they still raised interest rates by 25 basis points, which is like 0.25%. But every meeting prior to that, except for the the last one, not this past week, but the one before that, it was 75 basis points every single time um, for for a good period of time. And basically, Jerome Powell said it's going to be higher for longer, all this and that. And so what happened to those bond portfolios of Silicon Valley Bank was that they lost a bunch of money. And so these companies that were banking with Silicon Valley Bank you know, the, the Fed's raising interest rates. Venture capital is a little bit tighter, right? So, like, 
I don't know, Joe Schmo, who has a shit ton of money to invest in these tech startups that, you know, is creating, I don't know, vegan, vegan cat food for transgender kids or something like that. It's going to go over well. <laughs> for, for something like that, you know, that they're creating this, I don't know, some crazy tech thing that's like, maybe it's going to work, maybe it's not. Um, you know, that they're essentially loaning money to them. Then the venture capitalists after – you know, like like I said, the interest rates grow up. They're going to be a little bit tighter with their money. They're not necessarily going to they're not necessarily going to lend that out as much. And so, because they didn't lend that out as much, that whatever money's in the bank, essentially that company that's creating this vegan cat food for transgender kids or whatever it is, has to go to the bank now to pay their employees and pay the reserves. So they're doing all this and they can't pay back their loans. And their bond portfolio is getting crushed. So simultaneously, Silicon Valley Bank, in order to credit these people and allow them to pay their employees, needs to sell their bond portfolio at a loss. And they're losing all this debt, these debtors. So one of the, uh, I guess, the bigger names, I can't remember the exact title who it was, but they essentially they tweeted out like Silicon Valley Bank tweeted out that, you know, hey, we're looking for investors in our bank. Because, you know, we need that. And they, they try to say, like, essentially, like, hey, we're fine. We just need some more investors. Like, everything's fine. Oh, so, and, and and they took it and people, basically people they ran just, with people saw the writing on the wall. Yeah. I mean, they just basically rang the fire alarm and everybody was like, oh, shit. Like, I'm getting my money out of here as quickly as possible. And so that caused a bank run. So not only did they sell a bunch of stuff at loss, their shares were getting crushed. Everybody took their money out of the bank, it causing them to go bankrupt. And the problem is, is that the FDIC, which is essentially like the uh, essentially the insurance for all these bank accounts, they insure yeah. up up to two hundred and fifty thousand per bank account. Right. Which sounds like a lot of money for an individual person, but if you think about it, like a company for you know hundred, two hundred, a thousand employees, the cat food's not cheap. Yeah, that's that's right. not a lot of money. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you know, you had million dollars in this bank account, you can only get a quarter of it back. And so that's crushing startups and other things like that. But, you know, Silicon Valley Bank is the one that got the most, I guess, uh, publicity because they've already gone bankrupt and they were very risky with their investments. But there's allegedly 183 other banks around the country like that are, quote unquote, regional banks that are having this same issue. Well, what else went went under? Uh, another bank a few days after that one, went out, like a week ago, went under. Too. Yeah, there's like Credit Suisse is right. one that's like a big name that's getting a lot of publicity behind that, too. And I mean, like I said, there's still like a bunch of other ones that potentially could go under. And, you know, what does that all lead to? It leads to like more regulation and more kind of eyeballs on all these things. So and, Biden yeah. came in and said, don't worry, we're going to insure every dollar in the bank and everything will be good. Yeah. And so what does that cause? Right. So, I mean, Jerome Powell is supposed to not be and the Federal Reserve is not supposed to be influenced by any of this stuff. Right. right? They're supposed to be just like looking at the overall economy. They're supposed to be in charge of creating a healthy banking sector. Um, so, you know, they've kind of gone through these meetings saying that they're going to raise interest rates for a long time, higher for longer. They're going to have more unemployment because essentially we've had skyrocketing inflation. Like, I mean, right. the last CPI print, which is how the Fed kind of reports it, was over 6 percent. 
and you know every year the target is two percent right and you know it's six percent as low as it's been in the past i don't know six or nine months or something like that it's been over ten percent and and all that in the u.s and you know if you're living your everyday life, you know that inflation is over six percent, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, rent, you can go to the grocery store and and come back and like your and, grocery and just bill. Go, yeah. Jesus, God Almighty! I got less groceries and spent you know thirty percent feel like I spent thirty percent more money and got less stuff than I typically get. Like, it's, yeah, it's outrageous. Exactly. So the statistics that they're reporting for the CPI it essentially changes every you know four to five years or something like that. And so they just recently changed it again in, uh, I think it's going to affect either in March or May. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's getting changed again this year on how they're reporting the quote unquote basket of goods for CPI. And so, you know, all this to say, this has basically influenced how now the Fed is looking at things and Powell kind of had a meeting and he was very wishy-washy on what he's going to do in the future. And so, I mean, this causes a bunch of market manipulation, and other things like that. And it's, you know, causing President Biden to now come out and say, like, hey, you can't keep raising interest rates because, you know, you're going to kill all these banks. When in reality, these banks just didn't really allocate their funds properly. I mean, like if you're looking at a risk management portfolio for all of what these guys did, I mean, it doesn't take like a finance guy or a genius to be like, all right, dude, like what the what the fuck are you doing? Here? Right. Kind of thing. Like you weren't you weren't you weren't using you weren't using reasonable underwriting guidelines to lend this money out but yeah once again you know everything was going up yeah you know exactly like we talked about in the last video like they, they start thinking oh we can't lose like yeah. we're doing great well i mean like what i what i say is when the interest rates are low they're at like zero percent for like 10 years when that's the case dumb ideas don't die i mean like you could just right. like like i said like vegan cat food for trans kids or like the even like ftx and like some of these crypto things where it's like put in this money all this staking is fine like there's nothing behind it but you know we're just coming up with these random ideas and they're shooting up from companies that were non-existent and then within two years you have a multi-billion dollar valuation like that just doesn't make any sense and that's kind of the environment that we were in and these banks were just lending to all these all these companies just putting a bunch of marketing dollars behind it and you know these companies shot up on huge evaluations so the banks dancing for joy and then now all of a sudden like you know inflation sky high and the feds like all right well we got to pull back the reins a little bit and uh you know the companies are getting fucked therefore the banks are getting fucked and yeah i mean the end consumer is the one that's left holding the bag so yeah i i love that that don't worry we're gonna we're going to pay that money. We're going to cover those losses out of this fund that's been set aside. You mean the fund that's funded by it's it's funded by the banks, right? And the banks pass that on to the to the consumer. So it's like, you know, it ultimately the citizens of the US ultimately end up bailing yeah, I, them out. I mean, it's going to be our tax dollars that's going to be paying it, right? I mean, so I mean, they've already claimed uh, I think it was like hire like 80,000 more IRS agents right. and like, you know, when it comes down to it, the well, people who are getting actually, audited are not the the, the eighty thousand. Um, the Republicans crushed that. By yeah, the way. They're, they're not hiring eighty thousand more. Yeah, I know, they're, but, but they're trying to do stuff like that. Yeah. you know. So, well, what I was gonna say is, like, and and, and I get it because the, the the argument is the the let's say you had two million dollars in this bank account. It's only FDIC insured up to two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars, and they're like, look, it's you know, one, you've got some people are arguing, hey. Those are rich people. 
they should have thought about. They should have diversified more. They should have thought about it. And then, of course, some people are saying, hey, those are bank accounts that that money is actually going to go to pay individuals that work at companies. And, you know, that's horrible, too. Those companies will go under. Okay, well, those companies are probably going under anyway. Yeah. Um, like, to me, I could see going in and saying, if you were, I could see going in and saying to the government, look, if this is a, if this is a corporate bank account, and this is money that's allocated to pay your employees, like, we'll help fund that, and you can pay us back with a very, gen- we'll give you a very generous loan, but we're not going to bail out everybody across the board that had money you know what i I know what fdic insurance is like i know how much is covered you knew how much was covered you're you you know if you're you know if you're opening this company and you're making a stupid product and you know but by now you know that 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 this is risky you know what's going on you know you're going under you know you can hold out hope that nothing bad's going to happen but you invested in this company, you borrowed money, you've got money in the bank account, it's only got up to $250,000, the bank goes under, you lose the money. Yeah. Now, I understand if that's for your employees, well then fine, we can work with that, we'll come up with something, but I wouldn't go bail everybody out. That doesn't even make sense, because if it was a bunch of poor people that had money in there, and they weren't related to to rich people, I don't think they would have bailed them out. Tons of regional banks go under all the time that they don't bail out. Yeah. So well, it, it seems like and I only say this because I watched a video that they were talking about the, the, the people in that bank were too rich to fail. They said they there were too many rich people that had money in there that had paid for influence that started making phone calls and said, you got to fix this. And so they, oh, we'll fix it. We'll this, we'll that. We're securing the banking system. And well, the banking, that, that, that alone, like that problem alone isn't going to, in my opinion, fix it because all you're really doing is giving everybody a huge safety net to continue to act bad badly yeah he's been known to cure insecurity just with his laugh his organ donation card lists his charisma his smile is so contagious vaccines have been created for it he is the most interesting man in the world i don't typically commit crime but when i do it's bank fraud stay greedy my friends support the channel Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. No, 100%. And I think, like, you know, if what we saw out of the 2008 crisis, right, is that the government came in and bailed out a shit ton of companies, right? And, I mean, at, at the end of the day, not all those companies were great companies. Right. And so, like— But that, for, I think that's different. Like, that was, a, that was way more. Yeah. That was affecting individual homeowners across the entire country— which were also stupid, by the way. Well, I mean, you it bought was like four houses. Of, yeah, you, you know, you bought four houses to rent out. You don't know what you're doing. You you knew you didn't apply for. You know, you you didn't know you didn't qualify for these loans. So, so in some ways that's stupid, but also, so if if you actually go and look into it, remember when they did that and everybody was saying that the government's going to end up owning all these banks. 
They didn't. Yeah. And that will never see that money back. Man, like 92% or 95% of all the TARP funds were paid back. Yeah. Almost all of it was paid back. So you had these people, ah, it's cats and dogs. You're raining from the sky and it's horrible and it's it's Armageddon and we're going to be communists or socialists. and the, None of that happened. So, yeah. you know, I get it. But that was different. Like that, was, the whole financial structure, the whole financial system was crashing. Oh, a hundred percent. Well, I mean, like what I think too there is like, like you said, that that was like different because it was housing, right? I right. mean, this like you're messing with people's like jobs and like other things like that, like how they're they're making a living essentially. Right. But this wasn't and, millions of people's jobs, and they no. could have come up with a better plan. But I mean, uh, all right. So SVB, it's one bank, right? right. I mean, like I said, it, it is almost seeming like it's a contagion, and this is just starting, and yeah. that's the scary part about all. Of this is that you know it's come out like i said 183 others that could potentially be like that and you know the way the banking system is set up is there's really like four big dogs and then there's a bunch of regional Regionally, banks yeah, yeah. and so like what my fear is is essentially that all right one of these four big dogs is now going to bail out silicon valley bank and then uh you know these 103 other guy 183 other guys are then going to get swallowed up by these four guys they just, just basically mega banks, right? Mega banks. And then what happens when you have a mega bank, right? There's less touch points of entry. And then if the government wants to come in and do something or make some sort of regulation, you don't have to go searching for, you know, this guy has a regional bank in Tennessee's first bank, and then he has a Chase bank account, then he has, you know, Capital One, then he has an offshore one. It's like, well, you only got four options now. Yeah. And then you you, only, you could go to one of these and just, you know, cut somebody out like that or, you know, you need a loan. Well, like, I don't really like what you said on this video. This one bank cuts you out. I don't really like, you know, right. I don't know, your views on this. Like, well, and, what? Like, and I mean, it's, it's almost impossible to build a relationship with a, a bank that you mean nothing to. So you can't, you know, with a small regional bank, you can build a relationship where, where you can, you know, they'll give you some leeway here. They'll understand your small business. Like, I understand here's what happens with him. So ca sometimes he needs cash flow and sometimes this, but he's good for it. He's been in the community for 10 yeah. years. He, like, I know the guy. He, I went to high school with the guy. Like, he's good. Always been good. We have a good relationship. You can't get some guy in New York City who's a member of a mega bank to pay attention to some little guy live in Temple Terrace, Florida, who's trying to get a $100,000 loan to you know, open a restaurant or something like that. Right, right. You know, like, I mean, it's 100%. That's the case. And then, you know, that guy in New York, all right, who does he know? Maybe some young, ambitious kid who's going to start the next FTX or, yeah, you know, some they, of this, like, stupid they vegan cat food thing. And they're $400 million yeah. to invest in something stupid and ridiculous. And, and Yeah, and then it's like, okay, well, I'm going to let – this thing has the potential to boom. And, right. like, all right, this little restaurant here in Temple Terrace – all right, like maybe sure you'll make a couple thousand dollars a month. Right. Yeah, but they don't want they don't want yeah, right. Exactly. So you they want to lend the big money that's going to have big potential. Hey, I have a question for you. All right. I, and I already know you didn't read this. This is so disappointing. <laughs> uh, I'm already disappointed in just asking just the the idea of the discussion. Did you ever read the book Jennifer Government? No, I didn't. So did you I know you I did I I forget it. Just, uh, <laughs> listen. Jennifer Government I'm amazed that Jennifer Government never became a movie. I, I or it, it was, it was so, so. And, and you don't probably remember this, but there was a time, because you're like you're in your twenties. <laughs> I'm a young gun, man. What could I say? I don't know. There was a time 
when kids were shooting each other over Nikes, t- yeah. over Nike tennis shoes. Well, okay. Jordans, right? When right, first, Jordans, yeah. Nike, right. So in this person, so this was happening, right? This person, so th- this, so 1984, like we were talking about, yeah. is is essentially it's it's um like kind of like communism, you know, gone wrong, right? Yeah. Like, uh, well, in in this, this is capitalism gone wrong, and it's basically the elimination of taxes, and so you have that the guy he breaks up the map. It's a guy named Max Berry. He breaks up the map where he explains to you like Europe's kind of socialist and then you basically have socialism and you have capitalism and there's a few communist countries. And but the capitalists like it's the United States, part of Australia, like it's got this whole world order thing. But capitalism has gone to such an extreme that if you work for if you go to work for for Nike, right? Yeah. Uh, your name is now Brandon. Your surname is now Nike. You're now yeah. Brandon Nike. If you're unemployed, it's Brandon unemployed. Oh man. It's it's you know Matt State Farm. It's yeah. you know whatever. It's Matt Allstate. I work for Allstate, so it's Matt Allstate, let's say. Yeah. Um and it starts off where Nike comes up the the book starts off with Nike comes up with something they call it's like a guerrilla marketing plan and they say here's what we're going to do. We're going to advertise these new Nike tennis shoes that are they're called um, Mercury's, and they're gonna sell them for fifteen hundred dollars a piece. Oh shit! Yeah. And we're only going to make a thousand of them, but really they've made forty thousand pairs. Yeah. And they say we're releasing a hundred pair at this store in the mall. This is back when there were malls. Yeah, back when people would wait in line right. for these things. Yeah. So people are waiting in line, but they're not going to release a hundred. By the way, they actually send a thousand to the store. Yeah. So so people will get lots of. What's happening is people go out and they're spending a. Th- these, by the way, they, they explain that the t- the shoes are being made in China for two dollars and fifty cents a piece. Yeah. So they got two dollars and fifty cents a piece. They're selling them for fifteen hundred bucks, and people are buying them so they can resell them for twenty five hundred. Yeah. But Nike essentially just blows this out. And the way they get street credit is they hire someone from the NRA because there's the police force who only investigates crimes um, if you pay for it. So if your your wife gets murdered and you want someone to find it, then the, the government comes to you and says, look, it's going to be $45,000 to fund it. So if you fund it. You can refinance your house, get a loan. We'll investigate. We have a ninety-seven percent conviction rate. Well, yeah. we will find these people. Um, so, but what happens is they release a hundred. There's really like a thousand of these shoes, or five hundred of these yeah. shoes. They're releasing it at Nike Town and you know East Lake Mall. People are lined up, and in order to build street cred, they hire someone from the from the um, the NRA to shoot the first five people that buy, shoot and kill the first five people that buy Nikes and steal the shoes and run off. And that will build street cred. People will be like, oh my God, people are shooting each other for these shoes. They're definitely worth it. And so they do. They have some guy, he shoots four or five people, grabs a couple pair of Nikes and runs off. And um, and one of them is like a young girl. She ends up up dying. And um, eventually the parents hire, they go to the government to investigate and they go to jennifer government she works for the government yeah and she investigates the whole thing and if you really like there are literally like there are companies 
there are companies like um, let let's say a Shell Corporation. Like Shell Corporation, when you talk about espionage, it's on a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about corporate espionage on a, on a where they, they literally have their their own like military. And they've got yeah. they've got gangs which are McDonald's. They they tat they'll tattoo McDonald's on like their neck or something. <laughs> the McDonald's look, and then they'll have another guy. There'll be another gang. Will be the Burger King gang. Oh man! And so the Burger King gang's hanging out in front of the McDonald's. Guys are trying to go into the McDonald's. They're like, yo man, where are you going? Yeah, why aren't you going to Burger King? Oh oh, you going to McDonald's? You know, and like that's a they're getting a huge fight and yeah. Um, it, it sounds ridiculous, but when you read the book, I, I, I read it two or three times. I mean, it's so overwhelmingly good because when you read it, you the things that happened in that book, they had taken things that happened that were happening in society. Yeah. It was written by a guy. The guy, he wrote Syrup. Um, and anyway, he's, I think he's, uh, he's Australian. And he wrote this book. And it takes things to an extreme, but the, some of the things that you read about, you realize, like, that's happening. These yeah. things are happening. Like, this was 20 years ago. This is happening now. Oh, 100%. It, it, it's insane. And I really, when I read it, I thought, this would make an amazing movie. Yeah. I mean, like, we were kind of talking about this a little bit before, right? Like, 1984 stuff. Like, you never really thought that this would, like, I mean, this was supposed to be some, like, thing for entertainment. Right. Like, it's way out there. and. Like, we're getting closer to that than you really think, right? I mean, if you read the Communist Manifesto and you kind of go through, like, I think it's like 10 of the different um, whatever things of communism, if you really look at it pretty deeply, like, the United States probably checks like seven or eight of those boxes. Like, we're getting pretty close to it. Right. I mean, like, sure, we're, we're not as bad as maybe like Russia or China or some of these other places, but, you know, the whole like land of the free thing. Oh, we're, yeah. we're, we're not really there anymore. No. I mean, people are getting censored, right? I mean, like. Yeah, I would say know, yeah. it's really. Listen, the United States has the best marketing campaign ever invented in history. I mean, the whole slogan of the, the home of the brave, land of the free, home of the brave. Like, like we have we have more incarcerated. We have what? Five percent of the world population. We have 25 percent of the total incarceration of, yeah. of the entire world one out of every 100 people is on some form of incarceration in the united states that's one out of a hundred i mean it's it's it, it's in, you start doing the numbers and it it's insane you know they you know can you have guns sure some people can yeah. like i can't and it's super regulated like there's so many things that have veered off from the constitution when i got robbed i'm sorry when i got robbed <laughs> when i got um when I was arrested, I was being and I was being um, interviewed by uh, the FBI. There was this chick there named uh, Candace Calderon. She was a chick. She was a special an FBI agent. Hmm. And we were talking, and I remember she said, "Well, we were talking about somebody," and she said, "Well, um, she won't talk to us." And I went, "Well," I said, "You know, she doesn't. It's not like she has to talk to you." Yeah. And I said, "She. I mean." And, and and she goes, she goes. What do you mean? I go. I said. Well, I mean, then the Constitution say like you self incrimination. Like you don't have to incriminate yourself. You certainly don't have to answer questions from law enforcement. And she said. And I, I go. I'm pretty sure that's in the Constitution. And she goes. Well, that document was written a long time ago. And I yeah. looked at my lawyer and I go. We're still using it, aren't we? Yeah. And she and my lawyer said some of it. She goes some of it. And I just the the look on this chick's face. I just. Remember thinking, 
Like you're trying to say that this person is guilty. That that was a bit, the 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 spirit of the conversation was. I believe this person's guilty because she won't talk to me, and I want to indict her. Yeah. And I was saying one, she didn't do anything wrong, which by the way is not what I said about anybody else that I was talking about. Um, but I was saying this person has not done anything wrong, and two. She doesn't have to talk to you. And she was saying, by not talking to me, I think I should add her to what they wanted to be an indictment. And it was like, like that's not right. Like no. you can't, you you and but she was like, yeah, the the Constitution is like that's that's an old document. Like it was like I'm pretty sure that's the I mean, foundation of what this country is built on. And, and that's what I thought at the time. I don't believe that now. Like I yeah. now know that. I it's, mean, you went through the system. If anybody yeah. knows, it's you, right? Yeah. I, I mean, mean, you know, I, I used to say the nicest thing about going through the system is that I was extremely guilty. Yeah. So anything that happened to me, I really had to blame myself. But I've seen tons of, I, not tons, but I've seen people in prison that made the mistake of getting indicted, and then thinking that they were innocent, or not wanting to accept the fact that the government said they were innocent, and went to trial, and instead of getting. 18 months in prison ended up with 15 years or 10 years or the the disparity between taking a plea and going to trial is is the most unfair part of the system like you offered me 18 months i go to jail and i or i go to i go to trial and i lose i see that i i think that i think the disparity should be a few years like maybe i get two or three years now yeah. I should have taken the 18 months. I got three years because I went to – but it's not. Yeah. You offered me 18 months. I get 10. I get 12 years. Yeah, yeah. 10 or 12 years. And yeah. you're like, that's insane. Yeah. It's like, like literally like 10 times the amount. Right. It's, it's, and it doesn't do anything, by the way. All it all that is is for the public because the truth is if you sent that person to three years, their life has been so overwhelmingly devastated by that three years. The extra seven or eight years doesn't change anything. It doesn't do anything but just cost the taxpayer mo more money and make them feel like, yeah, that was that was justice. But the truth is, if you really sat down and looked over everything and what this person had done, the average person in society would say, yeah, I'm sorry, man. He doesn't deserve 10 years. Yeah. That's why, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, the jury in a, in a um, criminal case is only allowed to, know, to determine – uh, guilt or innocence. Not the they, amount of time. They have no idea what you're even facing. Most jurors, if you ask them, hey, so you just found this guy guilty for, for fraud. Like, yeah, right, right. Yeah. So what do you think he's going to get? Oh, probably probation. I, somebody else might say, no, he, he, I think he's going to go to jail for a couple of years. Yeah. And then they find out three months later, they read the paper and find out the guy got 15 years. Yeah. And they go, I didn't know he's facing 15 years. I would have never found him guilty. Exactly. They can't let you know. The only time a jury is allowed to know what you're facing is if the death penalty is involved. That's it. Wow. So if you potentially could get the death penalty, they have to let them know, by the way, if he's found guilty of this charge, he may be subject to the death penalty. That's it. They won't even tell you he will get it just because he may because the, the judge determines that. Yeah. Judge has a shit ton of power. Yeah. Law enforcement often questions him. Not because he's suspected of a crime, but because they find him fascinating. He is the most interesting man in the world. I don't typically commit crime, but when I do, it's bank fraud. Stay greedy, my friends. Support the channel. Join Matthew Cox's Patreon. So, 
So anyway, that was my rant. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, uh, that that's all fair. But, I mean, it brings us back to the point, right? Like, things aren't exactly as they appear when it yeah. comes to, like, everything, right? So, I mean, whether it's big government, whether it's, you know, the banking system. Like, you think you put your money in the bank and it's safe, right? I mean, like, but what you don't realize is everything that you do at this point with your money unless you're like hiding it under a mattress i mean even hiding it under a mattress is is a risk right because like you're losing your money when it comes to inflation you're losing your money you know if you park it in a bank account because you know you get like 0.5 or even 2% or 2.5% and the inflation's 6 right. so i mean you're yeah. losing whatever the spread is yeah, every value. single month and yeah so i mean like People have just been kind of, I guess, privy to uh, jump into these scams and like just trust people and like think like, hey, you know, I don't know, this sounds like a good idea. Like this person has fabricated their numbers or whatever, so it looks like it's a lot better than it is. Lindsay but, Lohan said it was yeah a solid investment. I mean, they said it was a good, you know, this you know poopy dog coin or whatever it is 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 a good investment and it's going to go to the moon. So through all this. You know, it's been funded by these banks who have just had the easy ability to just loan to whatever the fuck they want. And then they're like, oh, well, we'll buy these bonds that will give us 2 to 3% back. Well, now the interest rate's at like 5%, so you're losing cash like crazy. And so, I mean, like at the end of the day, it's just been this perfect cocktail that's just like killing like all these stupid-ass companies that have gotten people to believe like, hey, you know, I'm going to be the next uh, Jeff Bezos and create the next – I don't know, Amazon right. for whatever it is, or I'm going to create the next Uber for this, or I'm going to create, you know, the next whatever it is. And so, yeah, like I said, when the interest rates are low, dumb ideas never die. And that's just kind of the environment that we've been in. And so what has Jerome Powell kind of had to do? I mean, we've like forced his hand essentially to raise interest rates at a skyrocket pace because, you know, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but he probably should have been do doing this a lot earlier. Yeah. And so we're into this situation now where, you know, like we said about 2008, essentially we're going to have to bail out like a lot of these banks. And so they've talked about already injecting like $2 trillion into, into the, the more, system. More inflation. Than yeah. And I mean, like it's, it's going to be a really interesting environment to see what we decide to do. Right. So the market essentially like price, the market is very forward facing. And so the market has already priced in 100 basis points of rate cuts by the start of next year. So, you know, take that for what it is. But, you know, it's like I said, every single meeting they've been raising and Powell has been saying before this past one that they're going to keep raising and raised throughout 2023. Well, now the market's like pricing in like, hey, you're going to have to reverse course on that and inject a shit ton of money back into the system. Well, what's what's that going to come out of either? The banks are going to get swallowed up by those four big guys or, you know, the president now has the power to say like, hey, we bailed out the banking system because you guys were idiots. So now we're going to put more regulation on you to kind of come to your help and come and kind of save right, you. Right. Or, you know, and then the end consumer is going to be stuck holding the bag with a shit ton of inflation. They're going to either get taxed out the ass or lose their jobs. And, you know, we're going to have to bail out these banks who are investing in this vegan cat food for trans kids. Right. And, you know, it's, it's all like kind of just goes back to the end consumer. And, you know, the rich people are going to swallow up hard assets like real estate, gold, and like maybe invest in some of these smart companies like an Apple or an Amazon that are already kind of proven instead of jumping in. Or maybe they even have enough like liquidity to jump into some of these stupid ideas 
well, hey, the interest rates are going down, and then they can you know, ride that wave up and then jump out at the top because they know some idiot's going to buy this super stupid fucking dog token or whatever it is. So, I mean, we just get into this never-ending cycle where the rich get richer, the poor get poorer, and that gap in between gets larger. And what does that do? It leaves the people that are at the very bottom of the overall economic system to say, like, hey, like this is fucked up. We need some help. Government, come and help me. And what does that leave them? That leaves the government with a just extreme amount of power where they'd be like, all right, well, we'll help you, you know. Well, we'll eventually we'll- the that that you got four or five percent of owning 80 percent of the wealth and then you've got everybody else who's just poor. Well, at some point that whole crowd says, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to go take it from all you rich people. Yeah. Like that, that's, you know, that's just communist communism. Uh, it's a communism revolution, you know, and that's what. Like ultimately, that's what happens, and I, I think I don't know. Did you did you ever see? Have, have you ever watched uh, Handmaid's Tale? No, you're bringing up all these things. I Bro, you got to see Handmaid's Tale. Have yeah. you seen that? Forget it. Um, <laughs> Handmaid's Tale is amazing. All right, I gotta oh, watch all God, this. God, yeah. it's so great, and it's and it's really listen. It was written back probably in the 50s or 60s, but it's like apropos for what's going on because they 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 tie in all these things about. Um, the religion they tie in um, uh, global, you know, like like climate change. They tie in like uh, just all kinds of stuff, and it, it you, you and it's it seems good on this whole thing too. Like, oh, what do you do? I don't. I mean, so like the way I think, I mean, it, it's essentially like it's all revolved around this whole fiat dollar system, right? I mean. The government has so much control over the inflation, the dollars, like whatever. And so what the theory is, is like the fiat monetary system, you know, it inflates by 2% every year. Well, our efficiency and as hard as we work is supposed to grow by more than 2% every year. Well, that doesn't necessarily happen, right? I mean, maybe with tech, it happened for a little bit. And that's why we saw a little bit of a boom. But like right now, are we more efficient than we were like two years ago? Are we 10 times more efficient or, you know, 10% more efficient than we were last year? I wouldn't say so. No. And because of right. that, you know, that just causes, well, it causes like somebody my age, right? If I am dating a girl or something like that, we decide to get married, right? Now we both have to work a two income household. We have to put off having kids later. I mean, it's like this never ending cycle of just, like, you know, killing the the traditional family where, you know, you can't have necessarily kids. And, like, that that's why you're seeing, you know, people my age get married a lot later, not have kids until their mid-30s. Right. And then that causes some sort of, you know, there, there's higher risks when you have kids later in right. life. And say. so it's like, I mean, like, the family's one issue, right? I mean, like, the personal freedom, people are going to be retiring a lot later. You're going to have to be supporting your, you know— your grandmother or your parents a lot later in life. Well, the system I mean, is designed to grow. It, it's designed to continually. You, you know, yeah, it's not. You, it's not like you say, "Hey, there's 300 million people, and, and we're gonna we're gonna maintain society this way." And you know, unless you had a completely planned society of some type, but our society is 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 set up to continually get bigger and bigger. And it's like the thing that's happening in Japan, China. Like you've got a whole segment of society that's just missing. Yeah. And then you've got all these people getting old and nobody to take care of them. And so that's a, that's going to be a major problem in 10, yeah. 10 years or 5 to 10 years. It's going to hit China so hard. It's 
they got like 30 years of people just of a, of a group just, of people. Yeah, that are, a gap. Right. This yeah. gap that should be working is gone. Yeah. And then what do you do? Right. I mean, like, then it's like, all right, well, the government's got to come in and control all this stuff and help out. So I don't know. I mean, I think, like, at the end of the day, a lot of these banks, like, what we what we need to hope to see is that, like, Silicon Valley Bank and, like, Credit Suisse and some of the bigger names that have already failed are, like, the last cog. And that, you know, the Federal Reserve kind of holds true, I, in my opinion. I think that if they, you know, kind of keep their foot down and don't necessarily inject all this liquidity in there and don't have to bail out all these big guys and hopefully these big four banks only swallow up a couple. Like, if all these things happen, then we'll be able to come out the other side a little bit better. But, I mean, not to be doom and gloom on this whole thing, there's just a lot of shit going on and shit's hitting the fan where it's like kind of the perfect cocktail where, I mean, it's almost like inevitable that if we're not even, if we're not already in a recession, we should probably, we're probably going to get there in the next year or so. And, you know, we've been in an economic time where it hasn't necessarily been solid for the past year. Like people look at, okay, point at unemployment at like an all time low. Well, I mean, the Fed's like pointing that this needs to, to raise and, um, you know, some other things like that. So I think like, just the amount of control that the government and other people have when it comes to like the monetary policy is what's going to be, you know, America's detriment in the end. Like we've been so lucky and blessed to live in America where we've had the global reserve currency since 71 and like basically like the powerhouse where we need to go bail out all these people and like we have the strongest military and all this and that. Like I don't really think countries are afraid of America anymore or look at America as like this all big power. I think like you know, we're starting to see a lot of cracks in that armor. And, you know, Silicon Valley Bank is just like an aftermath effect of all of that, where people are kind of like grasping at straws and trying to, you know, make America and like these companies and all this other things like fabricated look a lot better than it actually is. Kind of my, my viewpoint on it. Like, I hope shit doesn't I hit the fan, but I don't would, think continuing continually bailing out people or bailing out bad behavior is you know like i i think lend them the money or you know like in as far you know there's i think there's other ways to fix the issue than just continually bailing them out well yeah i mean i think that so. and like banks need to be smarter with how they're lending they need to have more strenuous strenuous processes and and things like that too and i mean listen in china they'll just take them out and shoot them they'll, they china they just this first of all this is not getting monetized you've mentioned ch transgender <laughs> um multiple times i've mentioned china like it's gonna there's a problem there's gonna be yeah. a problem well i mean colby's gonna be like what are you doing bro that's like that's part of the problem though right i mean like you can't it's not a freedom of speech platform you yeah know? i mean it's controlled it's controlled the narrative at the end of the day Did, we, thank god we didn't mention covid yeah i mean um so yeah it's it's <laughs> so yeah we've mentioned the porno chick yeah right i mean it's over <laughs> this is a horrible video for me um my bad dude i'm sorry about that um yeah i think that i i, I think bailing people out over and over and over again sometimes you sometimes you just have to let a, a nice little chunk go under and and or, you know, listen, in China, you know, they just take the executives out and shoot them in a, take them out in the park and just shoot them in the head. Like, like, do you remember, listen, this was 30 years ago that China was selling dog food. Like they were just kind of starting to starting to become a, a major powerhouse. Right. Yeah. And one of the things they were doing, they were selling like dog food. 
and the dog food manufacturers put some kind of a filler in the dog food and hundreds of dogs were dying in the United oh States. My God. And so the they, they took the, the, the CEOs uh, out of the place and just shot them in the head, executed them. Like, like, because in the way they looked at it was, look, like, you, what you, your stupid decision just cost our country tons of jobs, money, everything. No. And here's how we're going to let let other people in running these countries, companies Com- know. Yeah. We'll shoot you in the fucking head. And they just took yeah. them out and shot them in the head, and that was it. It was over. So, you know, I think those – I think if they, they take these – the problem is, is, you know, in this country you've got civil and, and criminal, and these guys, like, have they done anything criminal? I'll tell you what, the, F, the FBI can – They'll find something you did criminal. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, too, I think it's like some people that are getting loaned like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like take student loans, for example. Yeah. Right. I mean, you're going to go do uh, student loans and get some like gender studies major. You get 250000 You go to some liberal arts college. $250,000 in debt by the age of 22 or maybe even 25 or whatever. You yeah. took a long time to graduate because you changed majors and all that. You're making 40, 50 grand a year. You're never going to pay that money back. Right. And then what, what we've been doing to kind of, I, I don't know, put a Band-Aid on it is like, all right, President Biden has been like, all right, I'm not going to charge any interest on, on your student loans like now or, you know, they, they keep pushing it back. I think yeah. the next time they're going to make the decision is in July. And then but, they were going to forgive them. Yeah. There's tons of... What does that say for the people that borrowed the money and paid it back? Well, I mean, they were going to forgive up to like ten grand, but the thing is, is that ten grand that they were going to forgive up, uh, up to people is they were going to tax that ten grand on you. So you take that ten grand that I don't know, you have a hundred thousand dollar loan. Now it's ninety thousand. Well, we gave you ten grand, so you're going to have to pay twenty five or twenty five hundred of that as taxes because we gave that to you. Right. So it's like kind of like a backhanded thing that they were going to do with all that. But essentially like they've stopped the interest payments on student loans for now. And majority of student loans are lent out by the government. And so majority of people just haven't been paying that. They've just been like, Hey, you know, the government, maybe they're going to bail us out eventually and not, not make us pay it. But you know, when that, when those, uh, you know, you know, the payments start knocking and you have to get paid or you have to start making those payments, that's an extra, I don't know, 250, $300, $400 that people haven't had to pay for the past two years. Yeah. So what's going to happen when that floodgate opens? And, and you're like, teaching high school for $40,000 a year. Yeah. You know, because your degree really doesn't pay you anything because it's, you know, gender studies or something. Ridiculous. Yeah, you're a math teacher at a high school in a right. small town where, you know, the. Yeah, you're making $35,000. Yeah. yeah and and on that note, too, I mean, you're making $35,000 and then your grocery bill has gone from 100 right. to 200 And like everything around you has gone up, your rent's gone up and everything like that. And we're like, all right, I get to this break on this $300, $400 for payment a few years. for a few years. Then it opens up. And then now my rent went from $1,000 a month to $1,500 a month. And now on top of that, I have a $400 student loan payment that I got to make. Right. I mean, like we've seen basically credit card interest skyrocket, uh, interest like our loans on credit cards or whatever you want to call it. I can't think of the proper term right now. That's credit card debt skyrocket. And we've seen personal savings go like at an all time low. And so we're basically like, just cooking up for a recession and it's like all these things are just kind you don't of think we're in a recession we're i in a personally recession. do yeah i do 
but and just because the the White I mean House some financial not, yeah some just financial because they bro, move the numbers yeah some financial <laughs> bro is gonna say tell me that I'm an idiot because yeah. I'm not you know like I don't know but yeah. if you look around and you just are talk you thinking about the, the comments person. guys were giving you like a couple of guys gave you a hard time in the comments and you were like. They're like, this guy isn't an expert. You're like, I didn't say it was an expert. Yeah. Like, I, you can't go in the comments. Well, you go in the comments, but you have to understand people are just jerk offs. Yeah. No, I mean, like, some financial bro is probably going to tell me in there that I'm wrong and we're not in a recession yet, but, and that everything's fine. Everything's peaches and daisies. But I mean, like, Listen, look around. You could talk to any real estate agent out there, they'll tell you, ain't nothing selling. Yeah. Like, every prices are dropping and they're still not selling. Yeah. So, there's a there's a recession you can go and go and go in the grocery store go in the you know come on man it's it's a recession like no i mean 100 you know, is it as bad as it's gonna get no not even close yeah but this is and this is this is right now they're propping it propping it propping it propping as much as they can but at some point there's just nothing else you can do and it things yep. start going bad i mean as the as the crypto scams see it the rug pulls you know i mean we're gonna see that in the overall economy unfortunately and i think we're just Making for the perfect cocktail right now for shit to just hit the fan. Well, you know, there's always fraud. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's, that's what true. I fall back on. People say, "How are you so relaxed?" Listen, yeah, <laughs> I got it. I, I got something. No, okay. Listen, <laughs> all right. Listen. Oh my god, I didn't. Do you remember the uh, the um, sheriff's deputy that called me? Yeah. Or the invest sheriff's investigator? Yeah. You know, I went and and did that. It was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. They were they were actually pretty cool. Um, yeah, I talked in front of like like thirty at least thirty um, um, investigators for the, with the Hillsborough County yeah. Sheriff's Department. I went in and was talking about um, uh, title fraud. Oh yeah, so super cool. I'm actually supposed to do it again on the 28th. I'm supposed to go talk to. Anyway, a whole another subject. Anyway, very cool, right? It was yeah. pretty cool. Um, and I was really very. I couldn't believe how nervous I was when I walked in because I was like. Like, oh, wow, these guys really hate me. Usually when I go, it's brokers, yeah. and most of them like me. Like, they think they've seen my stuff. They, they I kind of know they already kind of think. They know what I did. Yeah. They're like, wow. They're, at least they're kind of impressed. Yeah, like, like, respect I thought, it kind of thing. These guys will hate me, are going to hate my guts. Yeah. But after about 10 minutes, I was like, oh, they're all right. Like, they're giggling and laughing and smiling, and I felt much more comfortable. Yeah. But initially, I was real. Like, I've typically not – I've spoken in front of three, 400 people. Yeah. But I was that was never been so nervous. You're shitting bricks out. Yeah, there. I was. <laughs> I didn't even do anything wrong. Yeah. All right, all right. So we're gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Is that cool? Yeah, that's fine with me. All right, cool. Um, we gotta put your. We didn't even mention your. We we gotta put your link. We'll put uh, the link. We'll put the link to Brandon's uh, channel. It's um, green it's candle. Green candle. Yeah, green. It's a YouTube channel. Green candle. And we'll put the link in the description. And I appreciate you coming by. And I appreciate you guys watching. Buy one of my books. Uh, I sell paintings on Etsy. And I appreciate it. I also have Patreon. See ya. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but when I was locked up, I wrote a whole bunch of true crime books. And all of the books are on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, Audible, their eBooks. Check out the trailers. Using forgeries and bogus identities, Matthew B. Cox one of the most ingenious con men in history, built America's biggest banks out of millions. Despite numerous encounters with bank security, state, and federal authorities, Cox narrowly, and quite luckily, avoided capture for years. Eventually, 
He topped the U.S. Secret Service's most wanted list and led the U.S. Marshals, FBI, and Secret Service on a three-year chase while jet-setting around the world with his attractive female accomplices. Cox has been declared one of the most prolific mortgage fraud con artists of all time by CNBC's American Greed. Bloomberg Businessweek called him the mortgage industry's worst nightmare, while Dateline NBC described Cox as a gifted forger and silver-tongued liar. Playboy magazine proclaimed his scam was real estate fraud, and he was the best. Shark in the Housing Pool is Cox's exhilarating first-person account of his stranger-than-fiction story. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Bent is the story of John J. Boziak's phenomenal life of crime. Inked from head to toe, with an addiction to strippers and fast Cadillacs, Boziak was not your typical computer geek. He was, however, one of the most cunning scammers, counterfeiters, identity thieves, and escape artists alive, and a major thorn in the side of the U.S. Secret Service as they fought a war on cybercrime. With a savant-like ability to circumvent banking security and stay one step ahead of law enforcement, Boziak made millions of dollars in the international cyber underworld with the help of the Chinese and the Russians. Then, leaving nothing but a John Doe warrant and a cleaned-out bank account in his wake, he vanished. Boziak's stranger-than-fiction tale of ingenious scams and impossible escapes, of brazen run-ins with the law and secret desires to straighten out and settle down, makes his story a true crime con game that will keep you guessing. Bent, how a homeless teen became one of the cybercrime industry's most prolific counterfeiters. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Buried by the U.S. government and ignored by the national media, this is the story they don't want you to know. When Frank Amadeo met with President George W. Bush at the White House to discuss NATO operations in Afghanistan, no one knew that he'd already embezzled nearly $200 million from the federal government, money he intended to use to bankroll his plan to take over the world. From Amadeo's global headquarters in the shadow of Florida's Disney World, with a nearly inexhaustible supply of the Internal Revenue Service's funds, Amadeo acquired multiple businesses, amassing a mega conglomerate. Driven by his delusions of world conquest, he negotiated the purchase of a squadron of American fighter jets and the controlling interest in a former Soviet ICBM factory. He began working to build the largest private militia on the planet, over one million Africans strong. Simultaneously, Amadeo hired an international black ops force to orchestrate a coup in the Congo while plotting to take over several small Eastern European countries. The most disturbing part of it all is, had the U.S. government not thwarted his plans, he might have just pulled it off. It's insanity. The bizarre, true story of a bipolar megalomaniac's insane plan for total world domination. Available now on Amazon and Audible. Pierre Rossini, in the 1990s, was a 20-something-year-old Los Angeles-based drug trafficker of ecstasy and ice. He and his associates drove luxury European supercars, lived in Beverly Hills penthouses, and dated Playboy models while dodging federal indictments. Then, two FBI officers with the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force entered the picture. Dirty agents willing to fix cases and identify informants. Suddenly, two of Rossini's associates 
confidential informants working with federal law enforcement were murdered. Everyone pointed to Rossini. As his co-defendants prepared for trial, U.S. Attorney Robert Mueller sat down to debrief Rossini at Leavenworth Penitentiary, and another story emerged. A tale of FBI corruption and complicity in murder. You see, Pierre Rossini knew something that no one else knew. The truth. And Robert Mueller and the federal government have been covering it up to this very day. Devil Exposed. A twisted tale of drug trafficking, corruption, and murder in the City of Angels. Available on Amazon and Audible. Bailout is a psychological true crime thriller that pits a narcissistic conman against an egotistical pathological liar. Marcus Shrinker, the money manager who attempted to fake his own death during the 2008 financial crisis, is about to be released from prison and he's ready to talk. He's ready to tell you the story no one's heard. Shrinker sits down with true crime writer Matthew B. Cox, a fellow inmate serving time for bank fraud. Shrinker lays out the details. The disgruntled clients who persecuted him for unanticipated market losses, the affair that ruined his marriage, and the treachery of his scorned wife, the woman who framed him for securities fraud, leaving him no choice but to make a bogus distress call and plunge from his multi-million dollar private aircraft in the dead of night. The $11.1 million in life insurance, the missing $1.5 million in gold. The fact is, Shrinker wants you to think he's innocent. The problem is, Cox knows Shrinker's a pathological liar and his story's a fabrication. As Cox subtly coaxes, cajoles, and yes, cons Shrinker into revealing his deceptions, his stranger-than-fiction life of lies slowly unravels. This is the story Shrinker didn't want you to know. Bailout, The Life and Lies of Marcus Shrinker. Available now on Barnes & Noble, Etsy, and Audible. Matthew B. Cox is a con man, incarcerated in the Federal Bureau of Prisons for a variety of bank fraud-related scams. Despite not having a drug problem, Cox inexplicably ends up in the prison's residential drug abuse program, known as RDAP, a drug program in name only. RDAP is an invasive behavior modification therapy specifically designed to correct the cognitive thinking errors associated with criminal behavior. The program is a non-fiction dark comedy which chronicles Cox's side-splitting journey. This first-person account is a fascinating glimpse at the survivor-like atmosphere inside of the government-sponsored rehabilitation unit. While navigating the treachery of his backstabbing peers, Cox simultaneously manipulates prison policies and the bumbling staff every step of the way. The Program How a Con Man Survived the Federal Bureau of Prisons' Cult of RDAP Available now on Amazon and Audible. If you saw anything you like, links to all the books are in the description box.